for our first industry update this morning. We're chatting sports betting sites, which post uh, Super Bowl saw a surge of users. Well, they actually saw the surge of users during the Super Bowl, but now we're a little removed and we can look at the impact. And well, the impact uh, wasn't in everyone's favor. Uh, It turns out these sports betting sites weren't as prepared as maybe they should have been to handle the surge in traffic. So here's reporting out of CNBC. Various sports betting sites had their platforms crash during the Super Bowl, some of them even before the Super Bowl, locking out plenty of fans from their bets and leaving eager bettors unable to settle their bets. So that list included BetMGM in Nevada, FanDuel, DraftKings, and Penn's Barstool Sports app. So here's a play-by-play of failures from the Super Bowl. BetMGM, about 10 minutes before kickoff, just stopped working completely. They couldn't take any bets, and they had people working on it the whole game, and by the end of the game, the problem was still not fixed, and MGM was unable to settle bets during the Super Bowl. FanDuel was advertising heavily leading up to the game, pushing for free play and opportunities to win cash. But an hour before the Super Bowl, the app was crashing constantly, and FanDuel blamed uh, that on uh, demand that exceeded expectations, quote, exceeded expectations. Penn's Barstool Sports app uh, blamed some third-party tech issues, but DraftKings got the most specific. They pointed the finger at their third-party tech provider called Camby, and they weren't shy about pointing the finger either. They had actually already announced that they were leaving Camby as a partner over the summer, that they'd be separated by September 2021. I wonder if this is going to accelerate that at all. Uh, but it appears that the uh, outage was caused by a surge in traffic by said backend provider, Camby. Here's what they said, quote, Our daily fantasy sports and pools products supported by in-house technology are functioning without issue. This incident is why we believe owning our technology is important, end quote. That was from a DraftKings representative. Other third-party platforms who didn't experience issues, so Camby's competitors, were a little saucy about the situation. PointsBet CEO Johnny Aitken is quoted in the CNBC report, we're pulling some of this from, as saying, quote, It helps being in sole control of your technology, end quote. So here's some thoughts from Will Hershey of Roundhill Investments. This is from a CNBC uh, ETF interview. Uh, Roundhill Investments is an investment advisor company, and Will Hershey basically speaks on how important the Super Bowl is to the sports betting community and how these worlds are intersecting. Let's go ahead and play that quote, and then we'll break down the rest of the story. I think this should come as a surprise to no one, but the Super Bowl is the event of the year for the betting industry. We're expected the numbers to come in at more than $500 million in terms of regulated wagers this year. That's up substantially from $300 million last year, and a lot of that growth is coming from mobile and online betting, as well as new states coming online. Recently, we've had launches in Michigan, in Tennessee, in Virginia. In terms of the state of the industry, since the repeal of PASPA in 2018, we've been in hyper-growth mode. I expect more states to legalize, including including potentially New York and Texas throughout the remainder of the year. So I think uh, the beginning of that quote frames the situation perfectly. The Super Bowl is one of, if not the most important day for sports betting sites in a U.S. community, right? And I just ask the question, like, how did they drop the ball on the biggest day? And the fact that there were so many 
of these sites that couldn't handle the influx. I wonder if that points to just the uh, adolescence of the sports betting community and and infrastructure, or not not the uh, the fans themselves, but just the uh, I guess the really new infrastructure that is being built out by these companies. Does this point to the fact that they are not as mature of an industry yet, and therefore, uh, you know, when we see a massive influx that is normalizing sports betting, uh, they're just unable to handle it? Is that the situation, or is the situation one where we quite literally just saw an influx that was so massive, suddenly people are all wanting to get in on sports betting, that there was nothing any of these sites could do? I feel like it's a mix of both. Uh, Tyler, you could probably speak to this a little better, but uh, we've done some commentary on this. Sports betting is becoming more normalized. More and more states add it to their uh, catalog of legal vices. And um, I think we are seeing FanDuel's, DraftKings, these major sites gain sponsorship options with Colin Coward, for example, uh, and his right. new podcast network. And so we're seeing these... Uh, platforms become really integrated into the sports community and become staples for the fandom. So if the fandom sees them that way, and maybe this is the first year where, uh, you know, they've been normalized in such a way, maybe even post-COVID, right? People are itching for some kind of game action. They're not getting to go to as many live games, so everyone wants to, you know, maybe spend the money they'd spend on tickets on some sports betting or just feel like they're engaged in a community. Uh, The fact that these sites couldn't anticipate that or prepare for that uh, is a little discouraging, and I wonder if this is going to infect it, infect, affect, but also maybe infect um, uh, the notions of investors around this industry. Are they going to want to continue to invest and acquire these sites, uh, or you know, maybe it's going to motivate them to acquire more of them and say, "Hey, how you're managing this is bad. Our vision is way better. We're going to make this actually scalable, and then you know, change the strategy moving forward." Um, but Tyler, what are your thoughts on the impact of this on the broader community, but also the fan base? Do you think this is going to drive people away? Do you think one incident is enough to convince enough people to or not to use the platform? Uh, And then thoughts on just the broader impact of this on the uh, sports business community as well. Yeah, these are you made a really great point when you raised the question is this simply an industry that is not fully mature yet? And I think that that's really where the answer lies here in that sports betting you know, has been around for so long. It's been around forever, but the, the infrastructure just isn't there because it's been illegal in so many places. Forever you had to you know, go to Vegas and kind of just through the explosion of apps and other websites and that sort of thing, you've been able to kind of get around some of the restrictions. Um, my sports betting may or may not have been affected during the Super Bowl because I may or may not use Bovada if I do, in fact, ever sports bet, which I'm not claiming that I actually do. But... Um, <laughs> But I, I, I think that that's really the thing here is that a lot of these companies are on the newer side of things and are still figuring out exactly what the demand looks like. And I think have been surprised maybe by even some of the growth in this particular area, in this particular industry. And so I, I think there is an element of, um, I don't want to say naivete here, na- naivety here, if that's even how you say that word. <laughs> Close enough. I, I think that there was maybe an element. Yeah, close enough. I think there was an element of surprise just at what the demand was actually going to be like. I mean, the, the biggest bet and where Vegas wins and loses the most money every year on the Super Bowl 
is whether or not the coin flip is heads or tails. And like that just gives you insight into just how granular you can get with some of these sports bets. You can bet the over, you know, over the length of the national anthem. So it was set at a minute 59. And then someone stood outside of Raymond James Stadium where they played the Super Bowl and recorded a rehearsal. And it went over that minute 59. And so that started to get out onto the internet. So sports bettors had to adjust. Like this is a crazy industry that I think. If you are approaching it from a normal tech perspective and then go into an event like the Super Bowl, you're not going to be prepared for the wave of just stuff that's going to come your way and the amount of data and things that are going to have to be processed at a moment's notice because you can bet something that happens during the national anthem, during the coin flip, and then people are going to expect that money to be paid out so they could reinvest it into other bets, uh, like pretty much instantaneously. And those those are a lot of transactions. That's a lot that has to happen in a short amount of time. And so I think that this is a learning moment for the industry, but I don't see it being um, something that hampers it moving forward. If anything, I think it encourages further investment from more well-established tech companies to come in and say, hey, look, this is the issue you're having on the back end of your sites. Here's how we can amplify and and you know raise what you can do by you know by magnitudes. Here's how we can fix some of these uh, problems in your system because in a lot of ways these are still legacy. Uh, not with the DraftKings and the FanDuel's; those are more the startup type uh, things. But BetMGM, those sorts of things, those have been around for a while and in a lot of ways don't represent kind of the new wave of how betting works. And right. so there's still a lot of room to modernize in this in this industry that is starting to not just starting there's a wave of popularity flowing through it right now and i think that there's nothing that's going to slow down that wave except for more stuff like this so i think that just encourages him further further investment because it's obvious the product is there the desire is there the demand is there let's make sure the tech can actually meet up with what people are wanting and expecting and to that point uh, the fact that this could be a huge opportunity for uh, technology infrastructure companies, network infrastructure companies to pitch, hey, you're going to want to source our technology. It's interesting that so many of the failures here were pointed at those third parties and there was an emphasis on, uh, you know, if you want to come out on top here, you better be owning the back end technology. Now, I wonder what that means for all these companies if they actually want to from scratch develop the software and the network infrastructure or if they just want to have uh, ownership over the control of the operation but uh, get their model from you know an open source company uh, or just hire someone out to develop the infrastructure which they then manage but regardless there's an emphasis here on if you want to win in sports betting you better be owning your technology because as soon as there's a platform that shows zero uh, inconsistencies uh, that is always on, always working, that is what's probably going to drive a majority of the customer base, especially if this is consistent during big games. If this happens on, you know, game seven of the NBA playoffs, if this happens uh, during Stanley Cup, if this happens during the NCAA championship, which <laughs> I don't think we're going to be seeing betting there very soon, but hey, that could be cool, right? We're getting the NCAA video game back, which is exciting. Um, very exciting. Very exciting. But re regardless, it's. I, I think this is the core emphasis, that uh, the technology infrastructure is going to be key. So I wonder uh, which version of that we're going to see. And I, I have a feeling that... 
this is going to be easier for these companies to do than more established industries, almost to the benefit of the infancy of this industry and its uh, its spread and mainstreamification uh, is that they can still develop what the standards and the norms are in real time and don't have to rely on, you know, an Amazon style network infrastructure to provide them all of their input or a DoorDash style third party to bring them delivery, right? I, I know those are disparate, but I'm just trying to draw a comparison that they can develop a standard for we're going to own this technology, we're going to make it proprietary, or we're at least going to make it a standard that we're going to manage the back end of our platforms. That way we can set a certain level of quality and also not be reliant on any other third parties monetarily or um, technologically to meet the rising demand. It's a responsibility to take on, but it it seems like in the long term something that will pay off for them, um, especially if it becomes a proprietary thing. Thank you.